0: I started the ambassadorship program because of that, like I was new in this role and I was not that far removed from the college experience, but the institution that I went to was entirely different from the one I was now tasked with talking about online. So I leaned heavily in our students to do it. And I found that when I was telling them what to do, those were not the vibes as they would tell me. Uh, They wanted to talk about their experience from their lens.
1: Hey, y'all, and welcome to The Application, a podcast nestled nicely in the Enrollify podcast network. This is your guide, Corinne Myers, and I am so excited to share my love of high-grad Marcoms, student experience, and campus squirrels. My friends at RaRa were awesome enough to sponsor all of the insights and ideas I get to share with you over the course of the applications episodes.
0: So let's get into it. I am Anise Barboza, and I am at Wheaton College in Massachusetts. I am the director of digital marketing. And day to day, I oversee our web team, our content strategy for the website, our social team, and our digital advertising and some other digital projects and email. Good lord! So you
1: see a lot, oversee a lot of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, lots of things, and I, I oversee some aspects of it and do some aspects of it too. Um, yeah, it's pretty broad job, but a very challenging and fulfilling one.
1: Good so and this is a recent um, switch right before this you were doing something else at Wheaton.
0: Yes prior to this role I was a social media manager uh, for Wheaton and worked on some integrated marketing projects for about five years. I've been in higher ed for a total of eight years now and prior to higher ed I worked for a digital marketing agency a full service digital marketing agency
1: yeah i find it interesting that our generation of professionals who were doing social before are now finding themselves in positions overseeing multiple areas and i'm just like wondering how you feel about how does how did being how did social media in general prepare you for what you're doing now
0: so I also noticed the trend, right? And I think, I can't remember the person who tweeted it who said social media managers of today are the future CMOs. And I agree. It's one, you're so close. I think that was my tweet. (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, it stayed with me because it's absolutely true. Because you're, as a social media manager, you're so close to the community, the customer, right? And for higher ed, you're close to the, Student experience, you're close to the parent, your alumni, or even the staff and faculty experience because you're the community manager. You're the one getting that one on one feedback about how you're delivering on your promise as a brand. So it's not surprising. I mean, it is surprising and it isn't that we're seeing kind of this wave of growth for social media professionals. And I think as a social media person, you learn all these varied skills. You're a good writer. You're a strategic thinker. You act quickly. You have photography, you have videography, you have this broad range of skills that position you really well to do your work as a marketer. So I'm grateful for my time as a social media manager. And I don't think it's I think it's part of the job that probably has to be pried from my hands because I really love it. (laughs) And I think it's very valuable still and for me in my role to be involved in social
1: interesting you mentioned being close to experience and you know a common thread through these episodes is student experience and'm I'm, I'm wondering how your time as a social media manager and then your current position have you seen and, and what do you, what do you expect the the evolution of social and marketing in general and student experience how do you see that evolving I guess from when you started you said eight years ago I think in higher ed to today is there, Anything you've noticed in terms of change?
0: Yeah, I was a social media manager for our brand accounts for five years prior to this role. Even
1: within those
0: five years, social media has changed so much, right? It became, it went from the place where you curated certain parts of your life, or once in a while you tweeted at Comcast when you're upset about something, and it became your life, right? Like part of your identity, part of your life where you, about things you care about not just the things you're upset about but the things that you love right and for me as a professional, it became the place where I found all the cool people and the people who are having fun, the people who were enjoying their experience that we, and it, it was also the people who were not having fun, the people we were losing and why we were losing them. It started showing the pain points we had as an institution and kind of put a spotlight on it. Like, and many of those things are student experience, right? I keep saying, like, we diagnose a lot of symptoms <laughs> on social, but the treatment plan has to happen within the student experience the context even from our parents sometimes like we'll hear like a lot of negative feedback about something or another about the food about parking like like any other institution but i think smart colleges and universities listen to that kind of feedback that you know it's showing you something that needs to be dealt with right especially if it's a repetitive theme And I'm grateful that I have the relationships or even like the leadership at and understands the value of community feedback through these forums because I think it's easy to dismiss, right? Because you're like, oh, whatever, it's common thread, everybody has the same problem. I think it's a powerful tool and one that can improve student experience and one that students actually expect their voices to be heard. We get messages on Instagram, and if we don't reply within a few hours, we already get, hey, what's happening? Like, did you look into this? And I know as social media managers, especially for all of those who are on Twitter, we're like, we don't run the school. Yes, we don't. (laughs) We do not run the school. We don't have answers. but." you're kind of expected to have answers. And I think leveraging that position and also understanding the reach that people have online and that it's still word of mouth, right? Like the canonical like marketing thing is word of mouth and it's still very much true in social. So yeah, it, So that's kind of the evolution. It went from being like the fun place for photos and now it's like this all encompassing thing where people showcase their vulnerabilities, their pain points, their experience for good or bad, and I
1: think it it became more and more powerful. I love the social is kind of the symptom checker, and the diagnosis and the treatment plan is the student experience. And I that's an amazing. I like I really like that. We're gonna pull that out for sure as a quote because <laughs> we're like you know five minutes into this recording and I already have like seven quotes. Great. So. In terms of and this is an interesting um, kind of zoom in into student experience is this idea of social care essentially just you know customer care on social media and how we expect, right? We expect brands to respond to us and this idea that as other brands in our lives respond to us on Twitter almost instantly. So I did this to spark Toro yesterday. I like tweeted at them a question about one of their products and they answered me within 10 minutes. And so now my expectations of other brands online, specifically on Twitter, for customer care have increased right? because that one brand responded quickly. I'm just wondering, are you seeing this idea of social care, student care, customer care on social media play into the student experience? And are we doing, what are we doing well in higher ed? And what do we maybe need to improve on in higher ed?
0: Yeah i mean i am a a small school so like the feedback is really not that overwhelming but i'm connected with so many people who do hear constantly about things and I, i think social media as a customer support channel for higher ed is challenging right you're not an expert in every single area you're not working with nimble institutions or even places that sometimes have like policies that cannot be changed or you cannot be flexible on so it's the decision-making does not lie with a social media manager I think that is our big challenge in higher education is you're operating from a position of having to be the institution but having zero power to influence it so I think good customer service comes from a place of like knowing everything being able to deliver options for people and being flexible with those options, right? For example, if somebody messages me about a parking ticket right now, it's like, well, you parked in the wrong spot, you got a ticket. It's like, I don't have an option to tell you other than talk to campus safety about it, right? That is the only thing I can offer. And, but the customer already knows that. They're not, that's not why they're posting about it, right? Mm-hmm. They want a dialogue. They want to understand why me, or even can we negotiate this? And that's not something I can provide. But if you DM'd Comcast right now, like you'd have options about how to change your plan for the eleventh time in you your two year contract. So that's the difference, right? We don't have the flexibility to give people options, and and that's the challenge too, right? But that being said, I think a lot of places are getting it right where you are listening. And you are connecting people to people with power, at least at what we do as an institution is like creating relationships for students to navigate situations like this, right? Not always going and finding the answer for them and being like, well, this is something you should discuss with X person. I'm going to connect you to offline. I think we do that part really well because there are brands also who ignore you entirely, right? You message and they're like, well, here's a policy. (laughs) It is what it is. So I think we do a good job within the... Framework of influence that we have as social media managers, because I don't think there's many people in our community who ignore feedback via social. And if they do, they're making a huge mistake, right? Um, That's how you lose people. It's just as valid as somebody like messaging you in other channels or even calling your office. So I think we do that part well. I don't know if social media managers will ever be in a position to influence policy or even provide people with options, but. I think having the relationships with the people who can is really important. It allows you the flexibility to answer quicker, maybe not within 10 minutes, but maybe in two, three hours, you have an answer for somebody. And that is the expectation. Consumers in general are comparing you to their last best experience. They're not comparing you to the other university that they don't attend. It's They're comparing you to the place that allow them to return something 60 days after they bought it. And it's that kind of flexibility in providing options for students um, or community members in general.
1: I like, yeah, you're exactly right with the expectation of, you know, we have the expectations of Amazon um, against higher ed institutions. that just are not Amazon and that they shouldn't be Amazon, honestly. But that's interesting to, to compare social care, customer care, and also all these expectations happening Again, like you said, against your most recent, the one that you have top of mind anyway. You know, I was talking about student journeys the other day with someone. And I'm wondering if you're seeing, now that you've gone from social to also web, this idea that perhaps a lot of the experiences students have on social media, specifically around issues, is because they're not finding the information they need or want on the web, on the website. And I'm wondering if you're seeing a bridge there between being social and now being web? And is there there a correlation here?
0: Absolutely. Their expectations are entirely different. We have a generation that grew up with phones and expecting to tap something on the phone and something happens right away for them. And that is one of the biggest projects in front of me at this time is delivering an experience similar to what they're having in other channels, right? We're looking at a student portal project in the next year and a half to deliver that experience, that you log into one place and you see where you are in your degree, that your tuition bill is there, that your advisor information is there, that health services, like kind of this experience for students. And I think that is so underrated because I'm a student right now at a big state school and it's just so disjointed. I go to one portal to pay a bill and it looks like it was built in 1990 at the beginning of the internet and then i go to their website and it's like beautiful so like we i think higher ed invests a lot in the acquisition of clients and customers right at the beginning we deliver this beautiful experience and then after we get you that experience doesn't kind of translate. I think my institution is positioning itself well by deciding to invest in that part, the experience for students, a digital experience for students once they're on campus. But we still have a lot of shortcomings. We have information, we have a distributed content model where other people own the content. And I think this is the case for most institutions, right? You rely on partners to maintain a current and up-to-date and it's challenging when you're working with that many constituencies or stakeholders across campus. So, yes, yeah, so a lot of the frustration is finding inaccurate information, not complete information. And higher ed as an industry is in state of transition. So we're seeing even, like, the impact of people leaving and what that does to the student experience, right? It's the gaps that need to be filled. And I think it's no different than any other supply chain <laughs> slowdowns right it's what I've been calling it I was like it's the human resource like backup we're still figuring it out so a lot of frustration in those times can be like seen quickly I read something recently about people deferring their college education or even taking a leave of absence and how all those numbers kind of have gone up during the pandemic I'd like to think that some of it has to do with the fact that we're not delivering quickly on what people need to make their decisions to stay.
1: That's interesting, you know, the articles you're seeing, and I'm sure you're reading and I'm reading about, you know, the job the pay is up, the market, the job market is good, unemployment is down, and this, you know, this kind of system or this, you know, state of being anyway in the United States, it it's not necessarily good news for higher ed because when salaries are up and... unemployment is down, there's less people going to college because they see an opportunity to make money now. And this idea behind, you know, I see a lot of top of the funnel acquisition, like you said, efforts towards getting new students, but this odd, like ignoring the students you've got, right, for retaining and actually even creating advocates of those current students. And you mentioned word of mouth earlier, and, and word of mouth is just so important. Especially nowadays when our trust in everything is completely down, unless it's our family and friends. And so this idea of taking the students you've got, making sure that they have a great experience while they're here, not only for them individually, so they stay, but also so they talk about it and and talk about their experience to others and they influence other individuals. I guess for social media, and I go back and forth on this for higher ed. Social as a recruitment tool, or social as a you know retaining tool, social as a alumni tool. There's like, like all of these audiences that we're trying to talk to in social media. And when you try to talk to all audiences, you're not talking to really any audiences because then it's too general. Do, have you seen any sort of trends or do you have a preference in how social channels talk to customers and which customers do is it prospective students is it current students like are you seeing any sort of good data or insights or trends or do you have a preference in terms of the content focus in social for higher ed
0: i still struggle with that question like five years into this social role at we and is for me like i think large institutions do it well where they're able to like resource like efforts right like i think i Tulane University has their own thing happening specifically for admissions, for enrolling students. I think big schools with resources are able to do that. The little guys, I think, like Wheaton, are what do we do here, trying to service all people all at once. Like it and it becomes challenging, right? So we end up talking to whoever talks to us. And I think for us, like social media as a recruitment tool is, aspirational at least organic social is i think page social we make really great waves in and that's the angle we've kind of been taking is like using page social for reach for reaching new audiences but making sure that our organic is talking about who we are as an institution that when you land on an ad and if you happen to tap through our account that you get a good sense of what kind of community we in is that's the lens i've been taking it in is like our message is broad enough to, to, that we showcase what kind of campus we have, what kind of community we have, both from the student perspective or alumni perspective. We showcase our alumni and those efforts, fundraising, athletics and all of that, like kind of this broad message that is part of the brand message. And it's part of the message that alumni can see themselves and that like our current students can see themselves in. Um, I shy away from customer support channel. I know that was the second part of your question. I shy away from handling like kind of protocols and information on our social just because it is heavy lift. Again, it's something we're trying to do in so many other channels. We are a small community, very email dependent as an institution. So we do kind of take our approach that way in certain communities, but we're, we don't do the same for parents. Like, we understand that parents are in a group seeking information. So in that channel, we do it that way. But I'm thinking in, in terms of our flagship accounts, I do take more of an institutional brand and try to use a broader message about who we are as a college, articulate our values that way, that it's broad enough for every member of the community to see themselves in something, right? Perhaps not every post, but... With the aggregate, you might be able to see yourself as a member of our community. When it comes to paid social and enrolling students, that's where I feel like we have a little bit more fun in showing the spirit or even, like, why should you even bother to come here? We try to provide value through our advertisements We try to showcase our community having fun, and or even our institutional values through our advertising because that's what has the most reach when when you're putting money behind it and trying to tap into new audiences. So that's kind of how I've been able to just decouple the two things. I see institutions who do it really well. They have customer support channels uh, on their flagship account and then they have admission or enrollment accounts. I think CSU, Colorado State, and Tulane are really good examples of that. I just don't know if it's something that smaller institutions or institutions with tighter budgets or even human resources can do effectively.
1: The link between student engagement and student success is clear. The more actively engaged students are, the more likely they are to learn, stick with their studies through to graduation, and attain their academic goals. Most higher ed institutions understand that link now better than ever. And yet in the last year, graduation rates are down 6%, retention is down 15%, and co-curricular engagement is down from 59% to 57%. Students cite struggles finding the right resource at the right time to feel engaged on their own terms, as well as an increasing level of mental health challenges and anxiety as some of the biggest barriers to engagement. That's where Robrock comes in. RawRaw's student engagement and success technology makes it easier for your students to engage with information, services, resources, and tools they need every day within a single app. Whether it's booking time with their advisor, setting up for an event or club, or learning more about financial literacy as a college student, with RawRaw there's no more searching around various websites, social media pages, or looking through email inboxes. It's all within the RawRaw app. Even better, over time, the app will learn what is most relevant to your students and will push those resources first, similar to a Netflix experience. I actually downloaded RaRa on my phone myself and got to try it out. Super cool, great curated content, and a great way really to make it a one-stop shop. We all know higher ed websites tend to be monsters. Start making student experience the center of everything you do by visiting raralife.com application. That's slash application. You mentioned moving into this new role and overseeing email and web and other things. What changes are you making in those platforms?
0: I think our website is, I keep saying it's a pair of cargo shorts. This is also somebody's tweet. We have lots <laughs> of pockets um, and it doesn't look cool it is not a knock on our website i think we have come a long way we went from having 200 separate sites and microsites and kind of this madness five years ago and bringing it all into one branded presence and when you take something that big and make it one there's a lot that you can't afford to lose in the process right so that is my biggest project right now is kind of looking at these key steps and the student journey and making sure that we are saying the right things that they're getting the right message um, a lot of that work happens via like landing pages at this time right we create landing pages and push students to those pieces of information but we see on um, user acquisition and behavior that they come back later that they're searching and making sure that those messages are on brand and on point for these return visitors or even for the current student who's looking for it so that is my biggest priority right now is like, I, I think online, our website is our product and our social is complements of it. Is, or like, it's where you go for testimonials and reviews and w- what the real deal is, right? But the center of the product is your website. So making sure that student, like you can sign up for a tour quickly, that it makes sense, that you know what you're doing, that the experience of doing so is on par with how you would go about booking other things, uh, or at least it's not dramatically different, that you're not clicking five pages in to get the calendar tool. So that's where my attention is at this time. We are, I'm also looking, like I mentioned, at the student experience internally with a group of campus stakeholders and how can we improve that. I think those two things have to happen in tandem. We cannot address just the external site for the new students and ignore the internal experience for the students. Like we, we are no, great position where a lot of institutions of our size are seeing declining enrollment, we have continued to grow. And we need to also, and part of it is because of how great we have been at marketing our these external facing things. But we also need to focus on the retention aspect of it and the role that marketing and communications plays in it.
1: So I'm seeing some numbers, so I do some consulting for a number of institutions and like you said, I'm, I'm also seeing those enrollment declines, especially in regional and small colleges. Um, and I'm seeing some numbers where, you know, they've got upper funnel, they've got the inquiries and the interest, they even have maybe the applications. But there's this drop off that we're seeing from, hey, you're in, to like, please enroll, and they're not enrolling. In this interest it's I don't know if it's maybe they're applying to lots of colleges and perhaps you're not the number one college on their list or where the case may be, but in terms of the web and email and social, are there specific things you think that would help that you know from application to enrollment experience? I think there are these micro experiences right for individual kind of Sets of students, and we talk about a lot about prospective students the ones who maybe are aware but don't know if they want to come or not. But like, there's this smaller subset, but more important subset of students who are raising their hand saying, I'm interested. I've even maybe apply, but they're being lost kind of in this in between. And I'm wondering, you know, are you deploying email series, drip campaigns, specific paid social campaigns to those students? Like, what are you doing to talk to those students and give them a good experience to keep pull it, holding their hand through that funnel?
0: Yeah, so I oversee only a section of our email marketing and it's the institutional portion of it, our enrollment part of it a colleague of mine does but I know it's highly personalized so we do have series of nurture and like search and inquiry it's broken down at that level but I think the one part that we talk about frequently is the personalization of it and it's one that we're looking into like we gather so much information through the inquiry process or even the student journey and it's like what are we doing with it are we looking back and I know we do it and currently, like if people have raised their hand for a particular area of interest, like that we have specific campaigns for those majors. Like this is what you can do with a degree in biology, uh, per, for example, or here's what a current student in biology does that we end. So we're really smart about that portion of it. But yes, uh, I think we do struggle m- matching the, the online experiences to like points of connection on campus right i think we anecdotally like shared recently that like once people set their foot on campus they're sold and it's like how can we do that online or how can we build more touch points for people to experience that right not every student is going to come to north massachusetts to see our campuses how can we bring our campus online for people to experience so it's creating great experiences digitally for people to tour campus in, in a way that would replicate what they get on campus. It's the info session that we deliver with tons of personality and provide the back and forth opportunities to speak with our president, to speak with whoever it is on campus, creating those opportunities online. I think it's bringing more of that human experience online, which is hard to deliver, right? Like It's not an easy task for so many touch points and we're not talking about three touch points and then you convert it we're talking about years worth of search and interest and back and forth and it's hard to sustain
1: yeah I, I love the idea of personalization you know and personalization is almost the key here to the student experience right so we're seeing in, outside of higher ed, the experience and customer experience being the top reason people are now choosing brands or experience over price, experience over product, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And in higher ed, I think we're also seeing this shift though it's you know it's a little slower, I guess. Um, are you, so in terms of personalization, you mentioned campus tours, you mentioned drip campaigns. Has it been hard to, you know, get a campus tour together get it get those feelings of in-person work like what are you seeing as working and what's not working i guess well in terms of bringing that to a digital space
0: i I think we overthink a lot of it i've seen like so many of like campus tour providers like i get outreach at least like once a week like we will come to your campus and sh- shoot your campus in 4k and deliver this beautiful experience. <laughs> it's like, we are really overthinking what people are looking for, right? Like we, we consistently know it's like Maslow hierarchy of needs. It's like food and shelter, like, and then all the good feelings that make you feel self-actualized. Like we know what our students are looking for. And I I would say we even have the resources to deliver those things, but I feel like we're overthinking it, right? We wanted to like, do this really polished experience for students and it's we for example we didn't even have a campus tour video prior to the pandemic and i'm not proud of that uh, we had snippets of videos like from here from there and we've recorded a nine minute video and with the student with one of our tour guides so what our videographer just went during the pandemic with three people and just did this really quickly as a response to like no no longer being able to offer and it has over 14k views on YouTube and for us that's a big deal we're a small school and about 80 something percent of our audience watches all the way through it tells me we did it right right we did we addressed everything that they wanted to and we infused it with the personality that we would do like we told a little bit of the campus history we're not we didn't just show you the shiny new dorm you'd be living in or where you'd go for food we told you a little bit about the history of these buildings or what activities take place here and showed you like those activities with photos because it was a pandemic but I think just owning your story the things that make you yes you want to deliver a polished and good experience but not overthinking it so much we don't need a mini series on our campus we don't like that's not what the students are looking for create chapters within your 10 minute tour that gives you an overview of food or like allergy solutions right that's what people want to know they don't want to know that there are 16 restaurants to pick from a parent making the decision wants to you know is my picky eater gonna have food is my student with an allergy or with a eating issue gonna have support do you have a nutritionist on staff that's what they want to know what resources do you have to make me feel comfortable with this big decision I'm about to make right so addressing those points is more important than providing this polished experience and i wonder if we're focusing too much on the optics of certain things and not so much on the. Message and I've seen it like recently too, like this. like, I'm gonna talk to you about this beautiful and amazing major. It's, I, I think at the top of the funnel, we wanna know that there is a major that students graduate from it and what kind of careers they go into, right? And hopefully are they earning money, right? Those are the things that help us make the decision. And I think personal stories are important. I think seeing yourself in some of those stories are important but I I think we're very much tied to like hopping on trends and creating series and making it a beautiful experience in that lens and it's like are we actually showcasing the things that the consumer wants to see I I question sometimes
1: that is super interesting that you say so I've I've been doing a couple projects, and I actually audited a whole bunch of campus tour videos. And it's like you said, they like it feels like they spent all this time and money on this sterile video. Honestly, a couple of them are, you know, is there the tour is done in third person? There's no students, there's no personality, right? And this idea of if you have all these super polished, you know, videos and content you're setting up expectations that you can't, you cannot deliver polished all the time. So these expectations you're setting up, which when your expectations are not met, that's a bad student experience, right? And so this idea of you're setting yourself up for failure first, but there's also idea that there is this backlash, especially amongst Gen Z and the younger millennials that we don't want, we don't want this curated, polished look anymore. We're tired of being sold celebrities and, and these mega influencers, we're tired of that kind of content. We wanna see the real thing, we want authenticity. And I know authenticity is the most overused word probably of 2020, 2021, 2022, but it's true because the idea of a student with a an iPhone giving a selfie you know, authentic campus tour and talking about the things that no other campus could say because they know the campus well enough to talk about the, you know, whatever, the library that holds like the world's only collection of whatever dinosaur bones from this, whatever the case may be, right? This unique perspective and the idea that, you know, higher ed and we all know this, we tend to polish and have these brand videos, right? These very produced brand videos where you've got three students underneath a tree in the the center, of, uh, in front of the clock tower. Every video's got somebody in a lab coat doing science, right? Every video. And it's like you take the logo off that video and it's like, I don't know whose school this is because they all look the same. So this idea, and I, I think where smaller schools may have this this advantage is the idea of scrappy marketing and this ability to really, like you said, let's get our videographer, three students, and let's do a campus tour, and let's not spend thousands of dollars on a polished video that honestly students don't really want. And maybe let's ask our students what they want because they're the people we're trying to serve here. Why aren't we asking students more often what they want to see? Because I think the answer what we get will be a lot different than the time and effort we've spent on things previous so I like the I like that comment about you know this the optics we're worried about optics we should be worried about experience just
0: to offer another thought to this is like that might be what we say right but like as an we as a, an institution that is our message but our students sometimes have reach higher than ours online right like I think about it like there are plenty like i am at a small campus there are plenty of students who have more followers more gen z followers than i will our account will ever dream to be (laughs) like we can't reach like we have one particular student who has over like 20k subscribers on youtube and blog about his experience or well their experience at we and it's like i'm glad it was a positive one uh, because you have far more reach with this particular group of students and You're talking about our ability to deliver on a key promise we made to you, right? And we have to remember that we're not the only voice of our institution online. We might be able to do like the SEO ranking and bring our video up to the top so people can see or even pay to be at the top in a way that other people can't. But Students are smart, savvy. They're able to see what is and what isn't. And that's why I think being authentic about what we're doing or even our efforts and being transparent uh, about where we are as an institution if we're learning if we're growing I think it's okay I, I think depicting something that is not real is not and our students and our current customers will call us out on it if we do that right <laughs> like it, I, immediately like and I'm pretty sure you have plenty of examples like to pick from where like an institution has posted a message in response to something and it was flooded with comments from current students being like, that is not the vibes here, right? And that's part of being authentic. It's like living in your values. And I think it it trickles down to the content we create, the messages we put out. And I think we just need to focus more on doing the right things and being the right kind of institutions rather than just talking about it and marketing it. We have to live in our values.
1: Yes, absolutely. And the example of the student on YouTube, not only do they have more reach, they have more authority, right? They're a third party validating source for your institution. And this idea, I think this hesitancy of institutions to use students as creators and influencers um, specifically is an interesting idea because, like you said, the reach is there for sure especially organic, the authority is there, they are a peer and or family member. And so like all of these factors basically give them the authority to create your brand, right? Your The way your brand is perceived outside of, you know, the strategic plan you have on your desk, it's being created and recreated by those students. And so it's interesting to me, the hesitancy to really lean on students to, to tell that story. And I think I've seen a lot of institutions create TikToks, TikTok accounts, and I feel like they're starting to use students and student voices and student videos to tell those stories. And I think it's a really cool shift in how higher ed is talking about themselves and really letting, in this case, their customers tell the story for them because it's such a more much a powerful voice anyway in, in that area. Are you doing anything with student voices? I'm sure you're using student content, but tell us about that, that, that content.
0: Yeah. Our Instagram right now is run by our students. Like we have three social media ambassadors and I have a social media manager who oversees them. I, I started the ambassadorship program because of that. Like I was new in this role And I was not that far removed from the college experience, but the institution that I went to was entirely different from the one I was now tasked with talking about online. So I leaned heavily in our students to do it. And I found that when I was telling them what to do, those were not the vibes, as they would tell me. (laughs) Uh, They wanted to talk about their experience from their lens. And I noticed that once I leaned into that discomfort for me, like being a new social media manager and allowing them to talk about the experience they they want to talk about the great things right they want to talk about all the fun that they're having with their peers they want to go cover the acapella groups because that's what they're passionate about and it comes through in their work right it ends up being this really authentic place so our stories are done by our students like reporter style they go on camera and talk about the events they're excited about attending, And they do show up at these events. They photograph these events for us. And it trickles down to all of our marketing materials online, on the site, on our social. We end up using them in email. It ends up being this really authentic group of people who are excited about their experience. So our Instagram is very much from our student ambassador. I started with one student and now we're at three. And I'm hoping to continue to grow it as we adventure into areas like TikTok, we have been experimenting this year and trying to find our niche. Um, What is our brand? What is our voice here? And also navigating that there are other students creating content that's more fun than us, right? Like we have athletes who are doing a lot of fun TikToks with their coaches at practice. And we are like, well, that's an area we don't need to cover because they're doing it well, right? We're gonna rely on our student voices in athletics to do that part of it. We have some students who are excited about being, we have like a TikTok star well, I shouldn't say start. Like, she has a pretty large following on TikTok, and she's crazy about the biology program at Wheaton, and all her TikToks are about being a biology student. And she is able to talk about our program in that lens. And it's a way like I don't even try to grab her content and put it on our accounts because she's reaching the audience that we want to reach. We read her comments and we see it from prospective students asking her about the lab, asking her about resources. She's already doing that work for us in a way that we couldn't. Right. And in the way that. Gen Z wants to hear about it's the authentic experience from her point of view, not the institutional message. And at one point, I even toyed with the idea of doing some collabs, and I probably will just so we establish a connection online. But we are experimenting, uh, we are showing like new personalities on campus that you should know. Our Dean of Students is a very fun person. We have a new president who has like two cats, and it's a talk of our school. And we're like, well, do you want to meet them? And so we're trying to have some fun and find our own message, but we're experimenting. And I think whenever a shiny new tool is presented, everybody wants to jump on it. And I think it's fair, but I also think it's okay to try things out and see if it works for you and for your audience. Um, and we're there, but we're still. T- I, I'm still very much committed to letting our students tell us the message. We don't let them do whatever they want and put whatever messages that they want, but we're also respectful. There have been times where our students have said I this line that or this lack of response or this particular response doesn't align with how I I would talk about this particular issue. Is it okay if I'm not the voice of the institution here? And we're fine with that, right? Like we we thrive on authenticity, so we have to respect those boundaries. So, it's it's a two-way street. It's being open to their input when they're excited about something but also being open to their input when they're not excited about something.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I totally agree, and I love the idea. I, I uh, the art and design school at U of M hands their Instagram over to students, and I always just love their content because it's just so amazing to watch art and design students doing their thing and documenting what they think is important. and And this idea that you know students really can tell the story in a way that is almost you know it's it, it is better. It is better than institution. And I think it's interesting the idea of institutional brands, right? So you've got a brand, and there's some of this rigidness that comes with institutional brands. And I think they forget the idea of brand in general, brand voice, right? That's obviously this voice, and and you're trying to convey feelings and create feelings. But the idea of brand tone, right? So you and I are I'm talking to you on a podcast, I talk in a different way than I would talk to my my son. Or I would talk to a friend or my husband. And it's this this change in tone. I'm still me, I'm still Corinne, but I have a different tone on Twitter. I have a different tone in podcasts, right? This idea that you can change your brand doesn't have to be this set in stone thing. It can change according to the tone, right? Duolingo does this well. They have a very distinct tone on TikTok and it works really well for them, right? But you don't see that necessarily on their website. You don't necessarily see that on other social channels. And so this idea that you can let students experiment and create expectations and really help with the student experience of getting in the information, showing the experience are going to have and getting students, prospective students excited and reminding current students why they're there, why this is a place they chose through different tones. And I think especially in in an industry where diversity is so important and it is a reason we are successful and if we don't continue to embrace, we won't be successful. The idea of being able to show these different voices in tones that match them, but also help facilitate this kind of institutional brand throughout all these experiences and channels, I think is super interesting. And I think it's something that we forget sometimes about how fluid a brand can be as long as you allow it to breathe. And so, I don't know, that was based on your, your words there. It kind of reminded me of the conversation I had with Jenny earlier for the first episode of this podcast and the letting your, your brand breathe across these platforms and the website and the and social and email and things like that so so in terms of so you're in this new role website and email institutionally you've done social student experience in terms of you know the expectations of students what they actually experience how their perceptions turn into attitudes turn into behaviors and this kind of cycle right what do you see or what do you hope in the next year to five years what do you hope to see in terms of student experience? What changes or what do you, what's like a dream state for student experience in terms of digital presence?
0: I I hope we're able like as an industry to like lean into that. I think one area, at least like in Massachusetts and other parts of the country, and that's a context in which I'm speaking is healthcare has really leaned into technology and Delivering a good experience for the patient, right? And I worked with lots of health clients prior to higher ed, and I was kind of at the intersection of marketing technology and how those two interplay and how to create a good experience, right? Where you can access your lab results online and you can see your next upcoming appointment. I hope we're able to lean into that as marketing and communications professionals and understand that it is essential and it is core to how many of our constituents but like not just students but parents and alumni hope to engage with the college right if i make it easy for you to give a donation the moment you see an ad and you tap on it and you go and you check out with paypal or venmo or whatever like it It's good. Like everybody benefits from that, and same thing for the student experience, right? Like we focus a lot on these like external pieces of it. I hope like the internal, taking care of our community, nurturing our community for the years that they're here, because that pays dividends, right? Like the experience that you have as a student makes you uh, an ambassador or breaks you, right? It's how you, the time you spend on campus is. The life cycle, right? Like, it's like you had this great experience coming in and over four years, you may or may not have a good experience depending on your personal preference or even the resources available. And then you leave and you have this thing again. You're like, wait, what happened the last four years? Like, this did not <laughs> match, right? It's like even like in I think that internal or even communication, like it's ripe with opportunities for engagement and for keeping people looped in and connected, right? Like we talk a lot about yield and we talk a lot about top of funnel acquisition. I hope we focus a little bit on the retention portion of it. So like, and when you talk about the life cycle, that's what I think it's the retention piece also needs that kind of experience that we do for acquisition or even for giving and engagement once you leave. So that's the biggest opportunity from my lens. I've only been in this role for for four months but, um, and very much kind of looking internally, what pain points do we need to solve for? But also talking to some peers and understanding that that is part of their challenges too, right? Like this, people who enroll and then decide not to stay or defer or take a leave of absence and never return. And I think we should also be examining it from a marketing lens.
1: I love that. I love the idea of focusing on retention and then delivering on brand promises for new students, current students, no matter what stage they're at. And not really forgetting about, you know, you forget about them kind of in between, in between enrollment and graduation. And it's those missed opportunities for sure to surprise and delight all the way through and make the brand a breathing living thing as opposed to something that they only see once or twice. I love that. So we only have about 10 minutes. I wanted to leave some time in case there were other thoughts or things you wanted to talk about before we wrap up. Sure. Oh, do you have
0: any more questions for me? Please I don't have
1: any, I do not have any more questions, but I'm happy to, if we miss anything you wanted to talk about, I'd be happy to. I
0: don't think so. I think we covered most of it from the social lens. Like, I mean, like for us as you know, an institution, we grapple a lot with like the roles of parents as customers or students as customers, but we'll touch upon it briefly but that is an, another one of those big things we're trying to figure out as an institution like is how do we treat parents during this cycle as a separate but connected constituency. But I don't know if I'm in the best position to speak for that, but that's definitely a topic for another podcast if you're interested.
1: Yeah, I'm totally, we could like talk an entire hour about that. I think that's a super, like um, parents as influencers, counselors as influencers and what that relationship looks like and what does their experience look like because I can imagine, I mean, as a parent whose daughter just turned nine, I'm like freaking out about college. And so I can only imagine those individuals with children of that age, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do any of this? <laughs> yeah. It'd be good. Like, I think that
0: it's definitely content that this industry is right for, because like, we even struggle with it from a database standpoint. Like, Slate is kind of like the gold standard for higher ed now when they don't have clear guidelines on how to treat parents during this process, you know so
1: I think that' would be a good one but yeah I think from the student
0: perspective we covered most all
1: right well thank you so much for this this is amazing I'm always so happy after these just having conversations and getting to talk to super smart people so I appreciate it do you need an outro let's do okay I asked you if you had any more questions let's do this yeah I'll do an outro yeah Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. All right, we've got to wrap up here because I could probably talk for another 30 minutes about social (laughs) student experience. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I always love talking to amazing people. And I hope that we can come back together and talk more about parent experience and influencer experience counselors and, and whatnot and what that looks like that's a wrap for this episode that's, that's a wrap for this subscribe. episode please rate and subscribe your favorite and podcast remember our student and experience is a better our student experience answer. is always the answer